We're in a series of teaching on the Holy Spirit. We've spoken on the promise of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, and last Sunday, the personality of the Holy Spirit. If you miss any of those, you may want to catch it because we're not doing very much teaching at all. Uh, we're attempting to be thorough though in our preaching, but there's there's a lot in the scriptures about God and his nature and especially his Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. The next time we're going to speak, the Lord willing, about the presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Acts chapter 2. Peter is preaching Jesus to a group of people who have gathered because of some activity generated by the Holy Spirit. Verse 32, he says, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Keep in mind that just a short walk from the empty tomb. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they were convicted of their sin. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done to, through the apostles. Verse 38 again, Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word he used there for gift is the word dorea, which means a gift. He, in the context in which he is preaching, is explaining what is going on with the, with the disciples uh, receiving uh, the ability to speak in languages of which are not their native tongue. They're speaking in tongues. Who's heard of speaking in tongues? You go back and read Acts chapter 2. It begins with uh, at least 120 people, if not more, speaking in languages of which they are unlearned. And it lists like 15 or so nationalities of people that can recognize their tongue. And it was saying, they're saying, uh, they're declaring the wonderful works of God in our language. How, how is this possible? As Peter, Peter gets up and preaches Jesus, and this was actually prophesied in the Bible in Joel chapter 2, and also I believe in Isaiah 48. And so Peter's preaching Jesus, and he says that if they'll repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus, they too can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is what had happened. So this word Durea refers to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift singular. Actually, perhaps you could say to the Holy Spirit himself, he is the Durea, he is the gift from God. Uh, we began in verse 33 this morning, it says that, Jesus, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see here. So Jesus gave the gift, or the derail, of the Holy Spirit. And we already spoke about this two or three Sundays ago when we spoke on the promise of the Holy Spirit. But today I want to speak about the presence, plural, of the Holy Spirit. Some would say the gifts. Of the Holy Spirit. Can you say the gifts? First yes. yes. Corinthians 12, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth and Greece. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. To be ignorant. To be without knowledge. Uh, to not know. And so he begins to teach about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
of the presence. Plural. He said there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The word he used there in verse 4 for gifts is not the word delay, it's the word charisma. Charisma is a form of a word rooted in the word charis, which is the word, Greek word for grace, God's undeserved favor and blessing that is upon our lives, that has granted us the privilege of being saved and having a relationship with Almighty God is because of God's characteristic we call charis, or grace. And because of his grace, he gives us gifts or charismatas. That's where we get the word charismatic. Someone who has been gifted because of God's grace. It means a favor one receives without any merit on his own. Gives a divine grace denoting extraordinary power. Some people have been mightily used by God and then the next day they, they uh, fall into some kind of sin. How can that be possible? Well, the gifts of the Spirit are not because of perfection on the part of the person God uses. Amen. Does not mean sin is not an important issue and must repent it, be repented of and turned from, but God's gifts are given because of His grace. Because of His goodness. So if God uses you mightily in one or more of the gifts, it doesn't mean He has a stamp of approval on every area of your life. You might be shacking up and God gives you a word of prophecy for somebody on the job. Don't you dare suppose for a moment the fact that God used you to declare the goodness of God to somebody that it's his stamp of approval that you can shack up. Right? It's God's mercy. It should make you want to repent. Oh, God. You're so good. It's your kindness that leads us to repent. Amen? So there's different kinds of gifts or different kinds of charismatas, but the same spirit, the same derail. One derail, multiple charismatas. There are differences of ministries. Uh, the Greek word here for ministry is the same word we get for deacon. There's different kinds of deacons, different kinds of ministries. But the same Lord. There are diversities of activities. The word here for activity is a word from which we get the word energy. Energema. Uh, there's different, th th there's different functions. But the same God who works all in all. You may never see a vision. You may never um, see a blind eye open. But you know what? You serve the same Lord. Yes. But you just love it. Yeah. Somebody laugh. <laughs> Now today we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, primarily from 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Uh, as I understand it, the seminar the ladies will be having this Saturday is on what we call motivational gifts that are listed in Romans chapter 12. Uh, how God has wired you is unique. He, he uses that for his glory. And sometimes there may seem to be a, a blending, but keep in mind and never forget that what God is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 12 is the gifts of the Holy Spirit and not our gifts. Amen. Okay. He goes on to say the manifestation of the Spirit, that is the revelation of the Spirit or the, the revealing of the Holy Spirit, is given to each one for the profit of everyone. Alright? You may flow in the gift of prophecy, it's not so you can buy an 18 wheeler and become a superstar. <laughs> Is so that others can benefit. It's for the benefit of others. You see that? For one is given, and here he lists what we call nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we have a limit of nine. I, I tend to approach the scriptures as though the scriptures are a lens through which God reveals his will for our lives rather than a box in which he limits himself. He reveals himself. He's an unlimited God, amen? Yeah. 
So for the one is given the word of wisdom. Can we say word of wisdom? Word of the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge. Can we say the word of knowledge? Through the same Spirit. Can we say to another, faith? Can we say the gift of faith? By the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. Can we say gifts of healings? By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Can we say the working of miracles? To another, prophecy. Can we say the gift of prophecy? To another, the discerning of spirits. Can we say the discerning of spirits? To another, different kinds of tongues. Can we say kinds of tongues? To another, the interpretation of tongues. Can we say the interpretation of tongues? All right. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as he wills. So, the Spirit has different means of communicating with us. You see that? Different ways of working through us. Different avenues for using us. But still the same Holy Spirit. So there's not a Spirit of prophecy and a Spirit of healing. It's the same Holy Spirit. The Spirit of prophecy is the Spirit of healing. Now keep in mind, he works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. You can fast and pray 40 days. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is going to suddenly decide to change his mind and will to give you some gift. It's as he wills. So for someone to say, I have the gift of prophecy, you may be motivated to prophesy over people, according to Romans 12, but according to 1 Corinthians 12, to say you have the charismatic gift of prophecy and you can prophesy at will, that's not scriptural. Now, it could be correct to say, God generally uses me with the gift of prophecy. That could be correct. But keep in mind, these are the gifts or the presence of the Holy Spirit and not of us. You see that? And it operates as he wills. Oh, I need a prophecy right now. I need a prophecy right now. Oh, I need one. No, it's as he wills. Not as he wills. All right. For the sake of understanding and remembering, Pentecostal theologians have put these nine gifts in three groups of three. For the sake of alliteration, we'll call them perceiving gifts, proclaiming gifts, and power gifts. Let's start with the perceiving gifts. There's a word of wisdom. It could be a message. Keep in mind it's a word, it's not a book. The word of wisdom. Have you, have you ever faced a decision and somebody came up to you and just had a word with what you needed to hear? That could have been the operation of the word of wisdom. When Peter was praying about that unusual dream he had, or vision, he was in a trance and had a vision about him eating unclean animals, the word of wisdom, I believe, came to him. It said, call not unclean what I have cleansed. Ooh, that's good. A word of wisdom can apply in a lot of places. I mean, it's good stuff. It generally deals with the present situation and the future, affecting our decisions and what we should do. Uh, Paul was on a ship that was about to sink, and he had a word word of wisdom: "Don't anybody leave this ship. All who remain on this ship." Will survive. Let's hang together. It's a word of knowledge, which deals with the present and the past, setting the stage for ministering the life-giving power of God. Example of this is Jesus with the woman at the well. Remember? Uh, Go get your husband. Oh, I don't have one. Right. And here comes a word of wisdom. The man you have is not your husband. You've already had time. Oh, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Jesus indeed was a prophet. But he lived as a man, anointed by the Holy Spirit, going about everywhere, doing good, healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. So, if he was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, and if he told us we can do greater things than he could do, I believe he operated in the nine gifts of the Spirit as a Spirit will. And it was the will of the Spirit 
to express the love of God to this woman. So he gave Jesus a word of knowledge about her present situation. And Jesus gave her that, not to condemn her, but so that she would open up and receive the things he was saying to her, because he was telling her the truth and she was trying to get all religious. Remember? Right. Well, should we worship in Jerusalem or should we worship on this temple? You're a Jew and I'm not, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, she chatted up. And, uh, the Lord just revealed that to her and suddenly the fake religion came down and she was ready to receive the truth. And she spread the news about Jesus to a lot of people. And what, what opened her up? It was a word of knowledge. Um, there's a discerning of spirit. Can you say that? Discerning of spirit. There is no gift of discernment. Can we say that together? It's going to rattle some people, but just hang with me. There is no gift of discernment. Can you say that? In First Corinthians 12, is the discerning of spirits. What a lot of people call the gift of discernment is just plain old pretty boys. God discerning the pastor needs to do such and such. You may discern something, but it's not a spiritual gift, according to First Corinthians 12. Maybe where you, the way you're wired to be discerning, but you got to take that stuff to the cross so that you don't get into spiritual. You understand? Yeah. Some people's gift of discernment is nothing but the gift of suspicion. And we're uh, going to be wrong here. It's a discerning of spirit. We have an example of this in Acts, I think, 16, where Paul is preaching and Barnabas, uh, Silas is preaching, and his woman's following him, saying, these guys are great. They're proclaiming the way of salvation for us. Listen to them. These guys are awesome. You all need to listen to them. And after doing that for a couple days, Paul discerned an evil spirit and turned and cast it out of her. And the Bible says it left her that same hour. Didn't say immediately. That same hour. So demons have to do what we tell them. And I don't think Paul screamed and foamed at the mouth and yelled at that demon for six hours to get it to come out. He told it to leave and turn on and went about his way. And within an hour, the thing was completely gone. Amen. Sometimes we try too hard and that in itself undermines our authority and the devil won't do what we tell him. So, on the surface, it looked like this woman was doing good. I mean, she's helping spread the influence of the gospel, Right? Meanwhile, it was a demonic thing. It was a distraction. And so through the discerning of spirit, Paul was able to cast it out. I believe there is such a thing as demon possession. Um, you believe there's devils uh, behind every rock? Yes. They're like water. They'll get in anywhere there's an opening. That's right. And if we're going to minister to people successfully, we've got to help them close the openings in their life. And if devils get in the way, then we cast them out. So the discerning of spirit isn't to be preoccupied with demons. Keep in mind, this is as the Spirit wills. The discerning of spirits goes into operation. And so this gift can help us minister to people effectively and more fruitfully. How many ready for effective and fruitful? Amen. Then there's the proclaiming gifts, the gift of prophecy, which is to not just to predict the future, but uh, 1 Corinthians 14, two chapters later, says it's to exhort is to edify and is to comfort. Exhortation, edification, and comfort. Exhortation is to call up. Come on, folks. Come on. We can take them out. We can do it. That, that's exhorting. That's to call up. Edify is to build up. You got what it takes, my brother. My sister, you got it going on. That, that's to build up. Not flatter, but to build up. Comfort is to calm down. So, Call up, build up, calm down. We're going to make it. The story's not over. So prophecy should have that intention, according to 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, there's different kinds of tongues. Maybe can you give me that? Uh, my answer? Thank you, <laughs> Different kinds of tongues. I, for one, believe that if tongues are true tongues, as the Spirit gives utterance, they're actual languages. 
Now some Pentecostal theologians get off here. They don't think it has to be a language to be of God. It's, it wouldn't be a tongue if it was just a bunch of words. Right? Right, right. It is different kinds of tongues, different kinds of languages. Now in 1 Corinthians 13, the next chapter, Paul says, I'm speaking the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have love, it profits me nothing. So that often is used to describe the gift of tongues maybe as being a heavenly language. Well, to speak in tongues is a heavenly experience, but I don't know that that is saying that when people speak in tongues, they're speaking in the tongues of angels. I don't know. Point is, if you could, if you don't have love, it's, it's just noise. Others say it's important to speak in tongues so the devil doesn't know what you're saying. You know, that implies we need to be fearful of the devil hearing our prayers. We don't need to be fearful of the devil ever. Let him hear our prayers. He probably doesn't want to hear them because they torment them. Different kinds of language. If a person's native tongue is not English, do you realize that if they spoke in tongues, it could be English? My dad had to go through. I did this in another one of the population. Oh, my ear is sweet. I think they've been living out here in West Africa for four years as missionaries. The first year we were in the interior, deep in the jungle. The only way to get there was to walk, to drive as far as you could to the edge of the jungle and then walk for three days. Or fly for an hour and a half on a hyper tripacer, which is great for wreck. <laughs> I'll just read a paragraph from page 54. He said, The church in Fossila was the largest uh, Pentecostal congregation our denomination had in the country. We had a lady there whose name was Maima, and we call her Maima. Uh, we gave her some of the first clothes she ever owned. She felt God's presence and wanted something more in her life. She would come to the altar, and her prayer would always be, Mama O Yesu, Mama O Yesu which means thank you Jesus. We helped her repent through translation and she would go back to her prayer, Mama O Yesu, Mama O Yesu. That was her prayer. That was her belief. Then one night, while at the altar praying after preaching, her old black face began to shine and a smile came across her face and she began to say in perfect English, I am receiving the Holy Ghost. Jesus is wonderful for my soul. He is too precious to me. I quickly got Joyce's attention, that's my mother, and said, listen to my Emma. She's speaking in tongues in English. Wow, real stuff. Now, my first date with Yvette uh, was an invitation for her to come with me to hear me preach through an interpreter at a Portuguese Assembly of God church. And in that service, they had tongues and interpretation and prophecy, none of which she understood. Obviously, she didn't understand the tongues, and she didn't understand the interpretation, because the congregation was Portuguese, right? So for them to be edified, they needed to hear the interpretation in Portuguese. For them to be edified the prophecy, it had to be in Portuguese. So just remember this. The Holy Spirit is not an American. And English is the only language he knows. And the devil isn't confined to the English language either. I mean, he's been alive for centuries. So for you to pray in French doesn't fool him. I mean, he's got operations in France. So, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that when we come together, that... Um, if we realize that our midst is an unbeliever or an uninformed person, he discourages praying out in tongues unless there's an interpretation. Because they'll say you're out of your mind. So, we know we're not. So, because on Sunday morning when uh, we meet, it's a public meeting, there could be uninformed and unbelieving people here, we don't get in the microphone and say, let's all talk in tongues right now. No, we pray in English, we speak in English, and if there's a message in tongues, we'll go to the first page. 
There's a power gift. There's a gift of faith. The gifts of healings and the working of miracles. We are saved by faith. Saving faith is a gift, is it not? By grace are you saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So saving faith is a gift. There's a fruit of faith. Fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, joyless, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. So there's this saving faith, there's a fruit of faith, and there's the gift of faith. When a person has a gift of faith, I believe when Paul was on that ship that was about to sink, he said that his opening word was, Sirs, I believe in God. That's the operation of the gift of faith. The others are throwing up and, and throwing things overboard. They're freaking out. He was able just to stand fearlessly. Say, I believe in God. A person who gives a faith has inside information. He may not have all the answers, but he knows the answer. I think when we built this building, we had a small congregation in Country Love Theater. This was a monstrous task for us. I don't think it was possible if it was, was it not for the help of the Holy Spirit functioning through some of us in this gift, the gift of faith. To do the impossible, to take the mountain, to tackle the giant, to eat the elephant one bite at a time. There's the gifts of healings. I love this. Plural gifts, plural healings. I don't understand everything about healing, but I know the Holy Spirit is very much involved in this. And there's the working of miracles. I think to turn a storm around is a miracle. Yeah. I think um, some, for someone to be healed instantaneously, that's a miracle. Yeah, right. It's the unusual thing that's done, that, that is outside the bounds of, of the north. In the early days of our marriage, that and I were really hungry for God. We were just hungry for God. And we got an invitation to go to a full gospel businessman's fellowship. And we wanted to go so bad. I had my work to do, right? And my boss said, you can, you can go as soon as you get all your work done. You've got to mow a yard at, at the church owned. I worked for a church. The church owned this property that had grass and needed to be cut. It had 25 acres of land. I had that too. That wasn't by hand. This was by, by hand. And I'm mowing this big backyard. I remember praying, Lord, help. And it seemed like suddenly I was on the last patch of grass. I don't remember what happened. So I, I often wonder, was that a miracle? You know, to help translate that lawnmower around the grass? I don't know. The point is, God's good. And He does things a lot. And we were able to go to that meeting and receive that benefit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of God. How can you minister with the help of these spiritual gifts? Who wants to know that or be reminded of how? Number one, we need to pursue a growing relationship with God. If uh, you treat your salvation like a merit badge and just put it on the shelf, that's not a growing relationship. It's a pursuit. I think God would rather have us in pursuit of him than us having 14 theological degrees and no longer pursuing it. So how do you pursue him? You start where you're at. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, you start there. And you certainly move into being filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill us up with with your spirit. And we will walk in the love of God for ourselves and for others. Uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our heart. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, the passages we were reading, that chapter ends with these words. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Then it goes into chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains 
and have not love, I am nothing. Walk in the love of God. So is it necessary in ministering people that we are conscious all at all times of, uh, of a, uh, some kind of a gauge? Oop, I'm fixing to get a word of knowledge. Oop, fixing to get a word of wisdom. Oop, here comes the prophecy. We have to be conscious of all that and this happening. No. Walk in the love of God. Gary Benjamin says it like this. Ministry is to let love find its destination. Very good. And in the context, context of expressing the love of God, the Holy Spirit has free reign. Because it's certainly in alignment with His will, right? To show love. And you may find yourself saying stuff that's really good. Ooh, this is really good. You're flowing in the Holy Spirit. You see that? So it's not a legalistic thing, it's a loving thing. We should minister in proportion to the faith God gives you with each opportunity. In proportion to our faith. Romans 12, in talking about the motivational gifts, says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. In prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. For ministry, let us use it in ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. All of this is to be done in proportion of our faith. Faith can be proportionate. Alright? You may pray for someone and not have the faith that they're healed by them. Or you may minister in proportion to your faith. Don't get the young. You may have a word of encouragement for someone. You may be encouraging someone in the area of your business. God's going to prosper you. Just remain faithful. Stay within proportion to your faith. Don't ask to, and he's going to make you a millionaire. You got outside your faith, got into fantasy, wishful thinking. We're supposed to encourage each other, but not puff up one another. You understand that? Right. Now, if you believe with all your heart, the faith is there, that they are going to be immediate, then be obedient to that. But stay in proportion to your faith. Not your unbelief, but to your faith. And finally, try to build up the body. This is the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, is to build up the body. After talking about love in chapter 13, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul goes back into talking about the operation of the gifts. In verse 12, he says, Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Remember, chapter 12 said, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man for the profit of all. So these spiritual gifts are for the profit of everyone. So the focus should be to edify the church. Now, with the advent of Christian media and the explosion of the internet, we see every year a whole lot of false prophecies happening. A lot. And I think it's because the so-called prophets are getting outside of the purpose of building up the body. They're attempting to build them up a name, maybe get an appointment with the president to make these flowery prophecies. It's about building up the body of Christ. Jesus came to bring a kingdom. We say kingdom. Came to bring a kingdom to the earth. It's a spiritual kingdom that functions in his church where he is the president. He is the potentate. He is the ruler. He is the king. And it never changes. And this provides us stability and solidness, no matter who's in the White House or in the outhouse or the roundhouse. He's the king. It's the kingdom. 
Local churches are agencies of the kingdom. Local churches can be planted, they can be grown, or they can be shut down, but the kingdom never turns off. So, as generations church, we are an agency of the kingdom that is eternal. Right? So, I believe the Holy Spirit flows with that same paradigm, that same purpose, and that same function. And when we get outside of that, we get whacked. And I think part of it is, well-meaning people start living in the Old Testament and not in the New. The New Testament is the bringing in of the kingdom of God, which was prophesied in the Old Testament. So for, so for a preacher to declare himself to be a Nathan to the nation and sell videotapes about the alleged improprieties of a president, remember that happened during Clinton's reign, that's outside of his calling. I believe the purpose of the prophet is the body of Christ. Oh, yeah. Look at it. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's turn it. Ephesians chapter 4. Think this will help somebody. These voices distract us and get us all stirred up for things that may not be God's purpose for us. Alright. This is 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. In y'all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And he talks a little bit about the ascension and the captivity thing. Verse 11 goes into what these gifts were. He gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but seeking the truth in love we may grow up in all things of the Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. That's a huge assignment, isn't it? I call it the sevenfold ministry of Jesus. First, there's Jesus, the giver of gifts. Then there is the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher for the equipping of the saints. So that's one plus five is six plus one is the saints. Jesus, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher, saints. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And then he goes into this huge assignment. What is the work of the ministry? Bottom line is the edifying of the body of Christ. And until we fulfill that duty, I don't think Reverend Fuddy Duddy is in his assignment if he does that. Now, if he has a personal relationship with the president, then by all means go to him and deliver the mail. Or at least seek to get an appointment. But stop disturbing and distracting the rest of the body of Christ with all these insane prophecies that don't come to pass, and then you don't repent of it when they don't. Yeah. And for heaven's sake, let's not help them out by spiritualizing things and trying to come up with some kind of reason why I did it. The point is, prophets are to edify the body of Christ. Yeah. That's our assignment. And I don't know about you, I still don't quite see the church being the perfect man. I still don't quite see us achieving the stature of the fullness of Christ. I still don't see us no longer being children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Right. By trickery of men. I still don't see us 
completely free to the point where it's always speaking the truth in love. There's always some, there's still some room for growth, is there not? So therefore, pastors, prophets, evangelists, and teachers all have an assignment. It's to build up the body of Christ. So the gifts of the Spirit, even the motivational gifts that y'all are going to learn about Saturday, it's okay. The ultimate purpose of all that is to build up the body of Christ, to make us strong, to help us understand one another, flow with one another, respect one another. Yes, yes, yes. You can tell I'm not a church. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the gifts that we get. May we stay focused on your assignment. May we rightly divide the word. And we're the new covenant people. Pursuing you with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. Lord, if I said anything too harsh, I ask you to forgive me. But Lord, the bottom line, I pray you help us to pursue love and truth and not to be blown about by everything about you. Lord, help us in the church and set our sail in our way to the course you set for us. Help us, Lord, to edify the body of Christ in this city. Help us, Lord, to be a blessing during this storm with mission vanguard, Lord. Help us to not be tools to be people of heaven, but help us, Lord, to be tools of order and strength. And Lord, if you want to raise up members here to one day become members of the board of mission vanguard, I pray, Lord, you open doors to them. And until then, Lord, we, we know, Lord, we have a function for each of us as members of the church. Help us, Lord, to follow your gifts as, as opportunities open to strengthen your body and to build up your body to evangelism and to serve the Lord of God. Is anyone here who would like to function more and more in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because He wills, but we do avail ourselves to it, right? Peter and John were going to pray when the gifts of healing went into operation and healed that man who'd been lame from his mother's womb in Acts chapter 4. If they'd been out fishing, that may not have happened. They made themselves available. They were doing spiritual things. So, pursue a growing relationship with God. Walk in the love of God for yourself and others. Minister and proportion the faith he gives you. Try to build up the body in every way that you can. There may be someone here today that needs you to take them to lunch and just listen to them. Not try to fix them. Just listen to them. Let them know they're not alone. That's building up the body. That's to get the mercy in operation outside of the assignment here today. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe, is more than a one-time event. In Acts chapter four, in Acts chapter two, we see the uh, early church beginning. And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit that day, 3,000 people were saved. Some say it could be 120 or 500 that were filled with the Spirit, and then 3,000 that day were baptized in water. By Acts chapter 5, the church had grown to 5,000 people. And they had a prayer meeting. Actually, in Acts chapter 4, they had a prayer meeting. And in that prayer meeting, uh, they received word through Peter and others of the threats that were coming against them to preach of Jesus in the resurrection. And in the, in the prayer meeting, they prayed, verse 29 of Acts 4, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that all boldness may they speak your word. By stretching out your hand and heal, and that signs and wonders may be done, may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled, they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled. Neither was there, he got filled again. 
They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I believe the the Spirit led the operation. May the Lord do that again. Amen. Amen. Lord, we ask you to stretch your hand out to heal. May signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Give us boldness that we may seek your word every day. Every day. In Jesus' name. Right, I'm going to play this song, and I just want you to either come forward to pray or stand in your seat or kneel or sit in your seat. But I just want you to focus on the Holy Spirit and just, just say, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Can we say that together? Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Amen. Some need to kneel. Some need to stand. Some need to sit. Not the posture. It's the openness of your heart. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Spend God in the Spirit and daily before Him. Before the Lord is filled with His Word and praise. 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and talk about it.